0: This is Issa Cosette, and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed, you didn't know you needed, but we're so glad you're here. And this week we have a very special guest making us move with her powerful words, her wisdom, her blackness, her queerness. And I am just so honored to have the Portia O in the building. I'm so excited once again to have you to be able to share your story with us because just been a fan for many years coming across your work with button poetry. A lot of your spoken word pieces have moved me. I've even written about some of them in some of like when I was in my master's thesis and just interesting of how once again, you have this power, how you're able to connect words and move words and move us through that. So once again, just welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored.
0: Tell the people a little bit about yourself, Miss Poet Laureate of the city of Boston. How is that? Um,
1: that's been great. Um, it's been obviously shifting and interesting and different under, under the context of pandemic, protest, and, and the, oh, politics. Those are the three Ps that have just been you know floating around in the in the context of the dystopia of that it has been weird and interesting and, you know, I've been obviously thinking about poetry and the, you know, poetry is not a luxury, so to speak, um, says the Lord. Um, But thinking about poetry as a tool um, in the context of today and really in the context of being Black. So I don't know, I've been using my resources and working with um, the city to kind of do some programming um, just around Black joy. Um, so it's been good. I'll say, you know, at the start of quarantine, it's been a little, you know, strange and reevaluating. I think all of us were reevaluating our roles wherever we were. Um, so that happened and that occurred. And, you know, now I've been jumping back into some arts organizing. Um, and so, so it's been good. It's been good. It's been shifting.
0: I'm thinking about the shift that is definitely happening not only, like, Throughout the world, but like you said, in our bodies. And what is it like being a Black queer body, being this voice representing many people in this city, right? It's a global thing, but you have to be able to be this voice. How is it, the poet laureate?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's great. It, it really is great. Again, um, but it is, I, I would say, it doesn't feel difficult, especially right now, especially with the world on literal and figurative fire, you know, um, and even more so for Black people, Black bodies, Black humans. And so that, you cannot disintegrate or separate that from the context of anybody's work, I believe, in this country. Right now, if you're talking about the pandemic, it's majority Black folks that are being affected or disproportionately affected. And the same is true for, you know, obviously police brutality um, in this country. And the same is true for X and X and you know it goes on and on and on and so for me that context cannot be disassociated from any aesthetic that I've been doing or working on. I think you asked the question like you know how do I show up for folks in the city and I think that's really difficult I feel like I, I, I'm hoping I'm showing up you know I, I was just on the phone with the city maybe on Friday. You know, telling them that I'm interested in dropping in on these virtual poetry spaces just to see what people are doing, how people are using art, or or how their art spaces are surviving or not surviving, um, and what resources do people need. You know, also I've been working or thinking, I've been ruminating on a project about poet, poems on buildings and what voices need to be, you know, painted on painted on a building or shot of that. From a, from a building, but which voices are necessary right now and which buildings need to be a little different right now, you know what I mean? So I've been thinking about that, like that, that, you know, having that project of Palm on Buildings in the context of where we are right now. Um, you know, that's how I've been thinking about and shaping
0: the work. Your work is so creative. I love even your collages that you do. I love how you mix both word and movement and body and art, right? Um, it shimmers, as if you will, right? <laughs> All this glittering, if you say, this magic that you have. What inspired you to become, I, w- I wanted to say writer at first, but you are more than just a writer, right? You are an artist. You know, you have other skills that you're acquiring and being able to express. Um, in different ways in different languages so kind of how did you come into this being what was that experience like
1: i don't know maybe the art came into me i have no idea actually i guess i think i'm still coming into it as well you know you know i'm 32 but i'm like oh maybe i should do this or maybe i should do this and i feel naturally drawn to a lot of different arts i would say right now um my two major arts are obviously writing storytelling poems Um, but I also feel, so I I have been also using the body as a, as a fashion canvas, you know, um, mostly I don't, I can't, I can't name it exactly, but I did write a choreo poem that was called Black and Ugly as Ever. And ever since I wrote and explored that, I felt inclined to take great photos, you know, (laughs) or like to think about what it meant to, you know, take artistic photos or model F photos, or etc. And actively be going against what it means to be or what people consider non traditional beauty, right? Whether that's being fat or dark skin, or queer or masculine center, or etc. What what all different like knacky hair, you know, all of those things, you know, what happens if that I I do take these, you know, artistic photos, these like, I don't know, leopard print photos, I've been actively using myself as, I guess, for my own representation, but also like to see myself, to like have these photos taken in and say, oh man, you know right. and not to mention documentation i've been thinking about <laughs> archival work and all of that I'll same going
0: you know oh my god that's the same thing sometimes i even feel like the same way about this podcast i'm like this is great for the present remind us where we're on our way but as an archive this is so powerful right because it's really catching us in these like you know shifting and changing moments getting to know where we are and movement right because um, there's so much that happens, as as you said, as the art becomes us, or we become the art in a way. And and I love how you a lot of the art art pretty much is something that we would like to see in the world, our own reflection of ourselves. So you are so great with the patterns, the looks, the you know. And I'm just like, I love it. I love all of these bold images. Is because what we it's what we need to see. And had you know, I felt. We were, be, we were able to be introduced to this art and being able to introduce to loving ourselves and knowing who we are and where we come from, um, there would be even more power. But um, sometimes it's just disconnecting. I feel like Lisa, we have to always show up for ourselves to make sure that when we show up, it's not uncomfortable. In, in going back deeper into your own body, what is the most interesting thing you learned about yourself while doing these photo shoots while doing your writings, you know, forget about like what you're doing for the city, but what about yourself? Like, how are you deeply sitting? Which is like, what are you learning about, Portia?
1: Yeah, I think I think I think I think too much. That's probably what I learned is really that I think entirely too much, and uh, you know, which is also the thing I tell people it's my favorite pastime. But sometimes I think that I overthink things or that I think in fear into an equation or insecurity. Um, So that's what I've been learning both about the writing and about my physical representation and presentation on this earth. You know, I think that I have been thinking or thinking a lot about how others perceive me you know, that's something that I became aware of is that that is a thing that I've been doing um, as well as about the writing, you know, especially being in an MSA program, I'm constantly interested in the scrutiny in the context of the body or the, the poem, you know. And so I think I've been, I guess this is a the first time I'm also realizing it and saying it out loud. So, but yeah, that's one thing I'm learning and, and maybe think I could benefit to shift from.
0: And I have those moments where I'm like, you know, I think, like you said, I'm overthinking of why I'm doing it. But um, for me, not only just for the representation that is important and the overthinking that happens, but the fact of um, doing it for the people who can't, you know, and also knowing that if I can, if I can deal with my anxiety or my thought process or my doubts, you know, someone will be motivated to do something as well or to write or to explore like, yes, overthinking is terrible and sometimes it can be limiting but in a way it empowers us and you know I'm also trying to deal with the process of making space not only for myself but when I do that for myself that makes space for other people as well I think I think we all kind of do it I'm like I think I think I'm always thinking and sometimes I'm like girl just stop thinking and just do you know something so emotional at yeah time.
1: I think that's it is that I just want to or I had
0: I had a conversation with somebody last night about
1: You know being present being as present as possible and i think obviously i still love thinking i like pondering you know like thinking about the world but i think thinking about myself and my art and things that come from within me in the context of other people's perspectives is probably where i go too far and then you know i was teaching a class this summer and i'm remembering that one of the people the poets in the class uh used a poem or a quote from nina simone And that's what I think about. And that's what I'm thinking about. That's what just came to me. I just Googled it. But I tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. I mean, really, no fear, right? And and that's what I'm thinking about. It's like letting go of the, just being free, like being present and feeling the emotions associated with that. That also, for some reason, feels very much so attached to Laura. We keep talking about Audre Lorde, um, but her uses of the erotica's power, you know, like really emotionally being able to be present and feel things. You know, yield some kind of other freeness or I don't know. Yeah, I'd just be in my own zone, bobbing out. You know what I mean? That's I, that's where I want to be.
0: Mm, shout out to the lords, to the Nina Simone, to the Portia O's, who remind us to be free and unapologetic. You know, to scream or cry, to shimmer. You know, I shimmer sometimes too. How was that experience like? Bigger up. I
1: am glad it has been written and I'm glad it's done with. I think it felt like really important to do, you know, really important to say, I feel like now that the first book's out, I have so much space and freedom to do other things, you know? Um, But that is my baby. I had a really great time writing it. I learned a lot writing it. I'm still learning a lot from it. Um, It's, you know, the one-year anniversary is coming up soon, and I keep thinking about that and, like, you know, where I I was, where I am, um, where these, where the context of these poems are, how some of them are very true, (laughs) Um, no matter how many edits or years removed. Um, But it it was, it's been a good process. I think it's still a good process. Um, I was, you know, mid-book tour when COVID hit, so some of that got of that sharing these poems and having them live off the page um, got cut a little cut short, but um, yeah, I feel good about it. I feel I feel really good. I feel great. You know, I, there's a professor I had the chance to work with, um, John Spoils, who says, you know, once the poem is written, like okay, and publish it and move on. Okay, there's so many more poems to write, but that's how I don't know. That's how I feel you know but it was interesting you know not gonna lie when I first got it I had to throw it down you know I had to I was like oh I gonna mean, hit it in my closet for two days um but now you know we're friends I got it somewhere in
0: here you did it it's something to be proud of and also there's of course better poems to come we have more work and places to explore but this work um inspired me to get back into my writing it inspired me to go and take uh like a oyente class like an auditing class and listen with Mayra Santa Febres and like start writing my poetry and then this year I've just like you know moved from just you know dreaming about writing or watching um you know videos and stuff to actively writing and not only writing but editing and so I think one thing I've noticed is the process, like you said, we have to also be present, but the process that it takes, the editing that it takes in um, as writers, it's not just, oh, you write and that's it, right? The going back, the digging, the editing, and getting the feedback, being upset, right? Um, the crashes um, that happen in the middle of your night to your computer. But what are some words of encouragement for emerging writers?
1: Yeah, I suppose I'd say one. Um, read read a lot, read poems, read fiction, read nonfiction. I find that craft books and craft essays are very, very helpful for me um and thinking about applying that to my own aesthetic, my own voice um so read a lot, and, and it's okay to fail if you fail, if you're submitting and you fail, you're actually doing it right, you know that's just it that you're actually
0: doing it. Correct. Keep going. Don't give up, guys. I know you have a poem to share with us today. It is something new. I don't know
1: if it's a poem, but the thing is, I want it to be a poem so bad, and I I want to submit it later today (laughs) Um, as a poem. So I'm going to share it and read it out loud, and hopefully it feels like that. It is called... Owed to the Black men working Friday mornings at the Jamaica Plain Whole Foods fish counter and to essential workers everywhere. During the COVID-19 pandemic, many of us discovered what we deem essential in sustaining our lives and maintaining our happiness. Food, health, loved ones, the internet, teachers, neighbors, long walks. Time alone, time together, music, books, movies, makeshift date nights. More specifically, my partner is a seafood lover limited to mollusks. Together, we are devout foodies akin to inexpensive inexpensive fresh oysters accompanied by a cocktail and ambiance. These are not essential, duly noted, but they do provide enjoyment and relaxation amidst the turmoil the world presents. You can understand my eagerness then, one morning, as I stared at the dollar oysters on ice at the grocery store. I did not see them as a luxurious aphrodisiac. I saw them as a gift to my partner, one of normalcy in a time of uncertainty one of joy amid the chaos of the pandemic. The oysters in that moment felt essential. When I asked about the shellfish, the gentleman in the yellow apron and blue mask behind the counter must have sensed my hesitation. He didn't answer immediately. Instead, this kind stranger grabbed an oyster, closed the distance between us and began a one-on-one tutorial on shucking oysters. In under a minute, he handed me a perfectly opened oyster to taste. This man with long locks descending down his back taught me with patience and ease. He fed me an offering to share with my partner, one rooted in sovereign food sustainability and joy. Unknowingly, this man commenced a ritual that got my partner and I through the quarantine week by week. Essential is such an interesting word what is essential why is it essential who is it essential to and most importantly how do the essential people in particular feel about being deemed essential how do essential workers negotiate being essential to someone who is not their own sovereign self the pandemic has urged me to interrogate this country's labels of necessity it has revealed Historically and presently, essential workers are often those who are overlooked and underpaid. It is my mother who provides childcare to children of other essential workers. It is my brother who cleans the courtrooms of federal buildings. It is the Jessica's who manage the late night drive through at Wendy's, the Sydneys at the senior citizen's home, the janitors, the factory workers, the cab drivers, the delivery drivers, grocery store workers who are overwhelmingly young, and black or brown folks prove to be amongst the most essential of us all. They ensure we are safe and fed. They yield smiles despite the rude customer just moments before. They ask about our day despite the ache of their feet. Some of them even stepped from behind the counter, sided barriers to offer culinary lessons that shifted living dynamics and restored us with intention. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: That's it, it's a letter. It's not a poem, it's a letter, it's an open letter. Ooh, but it is an old though as well, this praise to what is or is not essential in our lives and essential to our partnerships and essential to these relationships that are affected, you know, because of this pandemic. And um, it, it has allowed us or forced us, you know, to ask certain questions and, you know, find certain answers. Portia, how are you on your way? Oh, that's tough.
1: I don't know. You know, I guess it's really, I'm on my way via, um, I don't know, honoring myself, doing what it is that I want to do. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a workaholic and I like that, but I feel on my way and you know, that I am doing, A, the work that I want to do and even, unfortunately, some of the work that I don't want to um, to get where I want to be and where I need to be, um, so I don't know. That's how I'm on my way. I got my meetings, I got my plans. Stay tuned, you know. Um, yeah, get it, I, but simultaneously taking care of self. Like, you know, I, I have to keep a good balance because I do love to work, but got to be good. Got to be good to yourself.
0: Tell the people where can they connect with you? Where can they buy your book? Support you on your way.
1: Sure thing. Um, I'm at com. You can find the book with Button Poetry if you just, uh, I'm sure, ButtonPoetry.com. If you want to find copy there, i put them up somewhere. I've been organizing, I just moved, but they're right here and I can get that to you. I can mail that to you, but you would just have to, you know, um, go through the website too
0: to get at me. Do that. It will change your life and you will realize that God is good all the time. (laughs) And all the time. Wow. Love you. (laughs) Love you too. Thank you so much for sharing just a little bit of your story, for reminding us to shimmer as well, for reminding us to use our bodies to be present, to be here and find that balance. I think balance is definitely necessary, but we are on our way. We're moving forward. So, all my listeners, wherever you are on your way, continue to write, continue to move, continue to show up, and don't be afraid to glitter, to shimmer, to shine. <laughs> Until next time, this is Issa Cozette. Y'all be blessed.